Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account, and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Now, sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy today's episode. Dr. Pam Jarbo, thank you so much for joining us for this very first podcast episode where I'm nursing a newborn. This is a new experience for me. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Dr. Danielle, for having me. It's an honor to be here while you're giving life to your smudge. <laughs> <laughs> I would love for you to tell the, the listeners more about you and your family and what you're up to in the world these days. Oh, well, thank you. Um, well, I live in Groton, Massachusetts. I'm a chiropractor, obviously. And my husband is also a chiropractor. Uh, we met before either one of us knew that we would be chiropractors, so we're sort of unique in that way. Uh, We actually had a business before we went to chiropractic school where we used to buy used textbooks and sell them to a wholesaler. It was the most bizarre, horrible job. So we love working in chiropractic now. Um, But um, yeah, so we have two children. My oldest is 23 and our youngest is 15. So um, our oldest son was born when we were in chiropractic school, which was quite a thing. Um, you know, just to like try to figure out juggling that. So all throughout my chiropractic career, I think I've had four different practices because we moved a bunch of times. And um, what was great was um, I always had my children in the office and, you know, I had to learn how to live in, in that, you know, and just be where my feet were in that moment. And I think that's one of the things that's so unique for women in chiropractic, and it's one of the things I really love that you keep talking about, is that we do it differently, and we need different, you know, tools and support, and um, because our experience is different. And um, so, anyway, um, my right now I participate in two practices, uh, so I'm not full time in either one of them, but. Um, we have a practice in our town where we live and that practice was started by me. My husband actually had another one and then we merged. And then um, one of our patients uh, went to chiropractic school and she graduated recently. So we opened up a satellite location and she's working in that location. And um, so I'm participating in both of those. And I have a coaching company um, where I coach mostly women. I have a few male clients, but um uh, it's called Kyra Bloom, and it's a free support site for chiropractors, but also I have coaching options for people. So I really love helping chiropractors. Chiropractic changed my life, so I'm really grateful to be able to be a part of it and to support people in chiropractic to just create their dream. And that's one of the things I really feel is important is that I not shove down anybody's throat like my version of practice, which has evolved. It's been different depending on where my children were at or where I was at. And um, so, you know, I just want people to be successful at their vision and their dream of what their practice and their life would be. Uh, This could be like postpartum um, talking to my heart right now. (laughs) But listening to you describe that literally brings tears to my eyes because I think that it's so important for uh, chiropractors to have a variety of types of support and for some types of chiropractors, some personalities, 
work really well with a very structured program with systems and protocols that you can follow to a T. And for others like me, I've always felt like I don't work well that way. And I wanted to create my own thing, mm-hmm. do it my way. And then of course there's lots of resistance available for me to receive about why I don't need to reinvent the wheel, but truthfully, that's just always in my path. And right. so that's how I support others too. And mm-hmm. I think that the people that that need our kind of support can often feel lost or left behind or like there's something wrong with them when really Mm -hmm. they're just different. Oh yeah. I agree with that for sure that they often feel lost or left behind or shamed or judged when they're just, they're finding their own, you know, unique path. And also like I provide a lot of structure for the people who like structure. I, I think about about it like a triangle, like some people are really structure dominant and so they do need a structure, but they also need my help then to have better idea of another side of the triangle is perception. You know, you and I are probably really resourceful about perception because we, you know, see things. I, I love the way you write, you know, and you can articulate things that other people can't. And usually people who are really perceptive are like that. So they're really resourceful at receiving energy and information. Whereas other people, like I live with a lot of engineer type minds, you know, in my family, they love structure. So if we're going to do something, they have to know how is it going to happen. And so with my clients, those people, they need the structure and other people need movement. That's the third part of the triangle because sometimes you can analyze and create structure and then you're not doing anything and you just need like, you got to go out there and just do something. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I was going to say one of the things that you were speaking of, like about postpartum and like, to me, the thing about the feminine aspect in practice that I don't see with men is this concept of expansion and contraction. Like, my male clients are more like going and going. And with my female clients, it's really windy. You know what I mean? There's expansion and there's contraction. Like you just had a baby. So you're, you know, it might change your relationship to your practice. And to me, that makes so much sense. Um, but when you expand, you might expand so much bigger, you know, than you did before or than some of my male clients would because they're just like plodding on the straight and narrow. And, I, you know, I just, I can relate to the expansion and contraction or the windy path because it really changes and I'm, I'm adapting to my environment all the time, which means my family or my own energy and ability. Yes, and especially in those first two years of a new baby's life, the family as a whole, but particularly for the mom, she gets to really adapt often, frequently to the changes that her child goes through. Oh, and Yeah. Absolutely. You know, having an immobile newborn to Mm -hmm. having a a crawler and a walker, Mm -hmm. the challenges Mm -hmm. are different. And it's, it feels like as soon as you figure out a rhythm and a flow, Mm -hmm. your child learns new skills and then it's time to adapt to that. So we can feel a little crazy sometimes, I think, in those first couple of years. Absolutely. Change so frequently. It is a lot of change and that's hard. Like again, in if um, I'm using female and male, I think we all have female and male aspects in us, but the male aspect is like, give me the plan. Let me work the plan and go, you know, like on the path. Whereas I feel like for me anyway, in the, my feminine way of responding to my family was to like adapt to the moment. So we have to be really adaptable you know, as chiropractic moms, thank goodness we get adjusted. I really feel that. I don't know how moms 
actually don't get adjusted. I, it's beyond me. But I yeah. felt like that helped me to adapt. I keep thinking about this moment where my 15-year-old, when he was five, or maybe just before he turned five, he was going to go to kindergarten. And I, I, I don't think we really were having a big conversation about it. But in, something happened developmentally for him. So he used to be at the office with me and, I, you know, I've tried different things. Sometimes I had a babysitter. Sometimes, you know, he would not be at the office and, you know, he had home care. But most of the time he wanted to be around me and I wanted that too. So he was always nearby. But he went through this phase where he would never let me out of his sight. Like literally, if I was going to go to the bathroom, you know what it's like. I was going to go to the car. It's like, okay, I'll come with you. He just would never let me out of sight. And I really thought like, I can't deal because I am an introvert, which surprises people, but I need alone time to reset. And I never, ever could have it. He just was like, okay, I'll sleep with you. You know, I'll eat with you. I'll just, he just was, you know, my little Velcro baby. Yeah. Yes, it's a I lot can, to adapt to in a practice, you know. I can so relate to that. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, you know, thinking back to even before I became a mom or when I was carrying my first baby, people in my life at that time remarked about how it was going to change my career path and my want to, to work having a baby. And I was like, nah, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> it sure won't. Mm -hmm. um, and sure enough, you know, she was born and I did feel differently about my return to work, but I was mm -hmm. very resistant to that change. Mm -hmm. And I, looking back on that time period in my life, I feel like a lot of the stress that I felt was because I was resisting the change mm -hmm. and not able to just give myself permission for it to be okay that mm -hmm. things had changed. Right. Yeah. That is such an important point in both directions. Do you know what I mean? Like some, mm -hmm. some women are shamed for not wanting to work, you know what I mean? Yes. And some women are shamed for wanting to work and, you know, so it can go in either way. I, I feel like it's hard enough for us to figure out what we want. That's complex enough, you know what I mean? Because it's like we're dealing with ourselves and then our relationship to our smush, but then we're also dealing with how the world perceives us. You know, I was trying to explain this to my husband one time because I remember we had this great week in practice and we came home at the end of the week and he was like, woohoo, that was the best. And I came home and I just felt awful because, you know, there was no groceries. I didn't feel like I had been present with my son. I just felt disjointed with myself and I said to, I tried to explain to him what it was like for me because I didn't want to be a buzzkill you know but I was like right. you know I feel like in this house if we look at like dinner's not on the table or there's not groceries everybody looks at me and I feel like there's an assumption that I'm failing as a mom but I feel like if there's not groceries and there's not dinner on the table nobody's looking at him and thinking he's a bad dad mm -hmm. and that hurt my heart you know, because like I had this level of expectation from everybody, unspoken, unconscious, you know. Um, and so I just had to figure out like, well, how do I navigate in that and create what works for me and them? You know, because I am hardwired to serve my family and protect my family. And, you know, so um, that was, it, it's usually a more urgent priority than my business. Um, but at the same time, truthfully, like I really love the office and I love the dynamics of like, you know, solving those problems or helping those people and communicating and, and it's really fulfilling to me. So it, it gets, it's complicated and it's changed a lot. My relationship with the practice has changed a lot because I also think like, let's say you're a new mom and you have a new practice. Mm 
a new practice is like having quadruplets in my head. You know what I mean? Like there's so much to it. And so, you know, I tell people like when you open up a practice, you kind of earn the right to say no to every single social invitation if you want to, because like, sorry, I've got quadruplets now. Like really, that's what it's like, right? That's awesome. <laughs> because um, you're like you know you're in the first year of this like really dynamic thing um, unless it's not like for me when Jackson was little I just had a room you know and I saw my patients and I had this ancillary income it wasn't like a practice whereas now we have a practice you know that supports several you know people and their families and and it means a big thing it's it's just a different thing um, and it's grown up but I would say it's in its you know early 20s you know, as far as its development and its, you know, and its life force, whereas like baby practices are like babies, you know, they require a lot, just, you know, it's a big deal. Yes. I think I've always thought about our businesses as similar to a baby because mm-hmm. we put so much time and energy into them. But I like the perspective that you share of, you know, thinking about your baby does grow up and it does change and its needs change too. Yeah. It becomes cool more self-propelling if you've done your job right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yes. Awesome. I'm curious to hear more from you about the journey through the time period of owning a store that bought back used books, correct? Right. And how you transitioned from that to chiropractic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I worked for a chiropractor, um, and I started working for a chiropractor in 1986, and that was kind of, uh, you know, just a transformational, most amazing time, um, because I didn't know anything about chiropractic, and I was in a phase of my life where I was a big hot mess. I, you know, I was nearly homeless, and I was desperate for a place to live. I lied to my real estate agent to try and get an apartment. He knew I was lying, and he said, you know, my chiropractor is looking for somebody, you should stop by and fill out an application. And I didn't have any skills, you know, I didn't have any clue about chiropractic. I think it's a small miracle that I got the job. And I worked there for about a year and a half. And during that time, you know, he was going through a lot of crisis himself. And I, I learned a lot from him about how we dilute our message in chiropractic when we're a mess personally. Of course, it happens that we get, you know, we go through messiness, but he was not super ethical and he just had a lot of issues, you know, and, um, but at the same time, I really appreciate this man because he, you know, he launched my life, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, I went to, with him uh, one night, so I, I stopped working there because I really just wanted to do something else. I was sort of disenfranchised by his tactics or antics, you know, and so I ended up, but we stayed friends and I went to, um, it was his birthday and he wanted to go out into the, into New York city and he wanted to, um, you know, kind of date my girlfriend. And so we went to go out and he said, Oh, we're just going to stop and listen to this chiropractor on the way. This is one of the things that always frustrated me about him is that like his whole life was chiropractic, which now (laughs) I drank the Kool-Aid and I'm right there. (laughs) So I was like, seriously, like, you know, we're going out in New York City, we're stopping in Long Island to listen to this chiropractor. Like, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening, you know? (laughs) And um, I was always frustrated by the chaos or the, you know, the left turns that seemed to happen. And uh, now I am the left turn. But um, anyway, we, we stopped to see this guy speak and he was at this like Holiday Inn and the paper, you know, wallpaper was 
fallen off the walls and the guy didn't speak English. And I was just sitting there rolling my eyes like, what are we doing here? I don't even get this. You know, it's super grouchy. All of a sudden I realized the guy was speaking English. I just couldn't understand a word he was saying. Oh my goodness. It was Donnie Epstein. So um, I, he was adjusting people afterwards and this was, I think it was before he even had his first network seminar so he's addressing people afterwards and, you know, it's really raw for me. I was like, okay, I'm going out. Like it was really an affront. It was too much. I left. I went out for a drink next door and, you know, I came back and we went out and had our night in New York city. But, um, you know, my chiropractor was like, I really want you to go see him. You have to go see him. And, um, actually I'm like thinking about the timeline. I think he'd even said to me, I might've been still working in his office at that time. And he said, if you don't go see him, you know, uh, I can't, you can't work here. So I, at the time I was working for him. So I went to Donnie's office and I started to get adjusted doing network. But I think I also transitioned out of that. My sister had this idea that I should buy used textbooks and there was no storefront. We just drove to schools and bought used textbooks. Kind of like, um, you know, when you were an undergraduate, they came on campus and they would assess whether or not you could sell back your third edition textbook. Yep. If they didn't come out with the fourth edition, they gave you $10 for something you paid $180 for. Remember that? Oh, <laughs> that yes. That experience. I was that person. <laughs> so anyway, um, at the time I was going and getting adjusted by Donnie. And for me, it was this really quiet experience of just feeling at home in my body for the first time in my life. Like I had my first in-body experience when I got adjusted and um, I just felt like I could breathe and be present and it really was changing me on a profound level on the inside, but I wasn't aware of it. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, a moment, it was a process and it was happening gradually. And so like in the next six months or so, and I, I can't remember the exact timeline, but I decided that I was going to go to chiropractic school. I worked for another chiropractor also part-time. So I, I worked in like three or four chiropractic offices during that time, which is a lot of chaos. And, you know, but I, I finally decided I'm going to chiropractic school. And pretty much like two weeks later, I was on campus at Life University. I never really looked into someone just said, that's where you go. And so I just went. And I didn't look into how much it cost. I didn't look into what the courses were. I think if I had thought a lot about it and spent any time perceiving it, um, I would have not done it. So I just moved and I did it. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful I did. It was like one of the best things I ever did, one of the best decisions of my life. And, um, you know, not to say that it wasn't daunting and, you know, huge, but yeah. So at the time, my husband and I, we were dating and he drove me down to school and he went back to Connecticut and um, he would come to visit over the next year and a half and you know he would just be you know how it is when you're in school like you don't really have a lot of outside time so he just come to school with me and hang out and just do stuff at seminars come to the seminar and after a while he just decided like two years later that he was going to become a chiropractor as well so then we were on the journey together how awesome yeah I'm sure it was and has been awesome has there been times that it's been challenging for your marriage to both be chiropractors and work together? Oh, good Lord. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's like a part of uh, when I coach with people is to help them with that because um, I think that is super tricky to navigate. And, 
when I first started, nobody was talking about that. It was kind of like this culture of positivity, like, it's great, it's great, everything's perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, then you had a bad attitude. Like, that was kind of the culture of coaching community. And, um, you know, I wish we'd had more help um, about that, because I, I do think there's a way to do it and a way to navigate it. But of course, it comes with trickiness, because um, what I found is that we just, you know, I can say like, two things that I that were sort of profound to me was to decide that we don't talk about work after 8pm. That just became a basic rule. Because you know, I'm just a big, I'm, I'm a morning person, and I'm energetic. And at the end of the day, like, nothing works. Everyone hates me. Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not my best resourceful time. So to make that decision. And the other thing is um, figuring out who's in charge of what, and just having clear communications with the teams. I think it's tricky enough if it's you and uh, and your spouse working in any business, but then also if you add other people to the mix, now there's even more dynamics. Um, so I think like really understanding roles and figuring out internal communication um, and then having a boundary about what your home life is like so that it doesn't all merge together. That can be really helpful. I can think of at least a handful of our listeners who are women who are chiropractors who are married to a chiropractor and have a family and a practice with their husband. And they have found themselves in a role in the business where they're, they've taken on a lot of the administrative mm-hmm. types of things. And mm-hmm. they aren't necessarily happy doing right. that, mm-hmm. uh, but are feeling sort of stuck with yeah. that role. Well, I think that's similar to what I was talking about before. At the end of the week, when I came home, everybody was assuming that I was going to also manage the house, just like everybody might be assuming that I'm going to manage the problems of the office. And so do you see how that happens? It's sort of subtle. You know, not, nobody actually said, this is your job contract. So this is kind of what I'm talking about, is that one of the ways for it to be successful is to clearly define the roles. Yes. So I think a subtle thing that can happen is because we women might be, have more attention to detail or be able to multitask, we can easily be seen as, oh, you're an awesome office manager. Great. Thanks for handling that. And it's just that, where'd that happen? It's sort of subtle. All of a sudden, you're, now you're in this role that you didn't really sign the contract for. That's never what you wanted to do. You kind of have to, I think you have to like really get conscious mm. about it. That's one of the first steps is to be conscious about well, okay, what was, my, what was my unconscious commitment that I did this? Did I just want to make peace? Did I just want to not let go? So I needed to fix it to make sure that, you know, everything went a certain way. Like, what was the commitment and what can be a new commitment? Which is, you know, together we're going to forage support um, so that I can do the craft that I want to do every day. Yes. Oh, that's... <sighs> huge because I, I can think of you know the, the doctors I know that are going through that right now and um, how mm. they're feeling about that situation not feeling mm-hmm. happy with it mm-hmm. and also like I said feeling stuck and I think it, it's going to require some bravery yeah but I have not yet not yet I it probably never will be in the role of working with another chiropractor who is my partner my spouse mm-hmm. and feeling like I have fallen into the default role that I don't mm-hmm. want to have 
I think that default thing happens, especially like if you're tired or if you're like, you know, sometimes the practice when you're in growth or you're just starting, again, it's like the first year of your baby, you're just like, oh my gosh, like we just got to do this. And then you fall into that role of doing. And then three years later, you're like, wow, well, how'd that happen? You know, so it's really subtle how it happens that you develop that. What just popped into my head when I was talking to you is that when we moved into this house that we live in now, I think it was like 13 years ago, my kids would take off their shoes at at the front, you know, at the back door. We have like kind of like a mudroom area. So they take off their shoes and we had a little shoe rack, but they wouldn't put their shoes in the shoe rack. They just put their shoes. And so oh, actually, actually at the time I didn't have a shoe rack, but then I got the shoe rack and I put it there and I was like, you know, can you guys put your shoes in there? And because, you know, for three years or whatever, they had left their shoes on the floor, I still have a hard time getting my oldest son to put his shoes in the shoe rack. He's just so patterned. And so that, I think that's what happens even in the energy of, you know, how we do tasks in the office is that we become patterned. NECAs become patterned, you know, maybe the other doctor in the office becomes patterned into believing this is what you're supposed to do. And so now you're going to come in and just, you know, rattle the cage by saying, mm, no, I, that's not the way that's going to work. Um, that does take bravery. And it also takes a willingness to tolerate the conflict. Mm. Like it's going to get uncomfortable in order for it to get better. You know, I mean, sometimes we have to like shake the cage a little bit and it's okay that it gets uncomfortable. Like how can we, you know, invite that but not have it be uncomfortable in, a, in an argumentative or a difficult way, but just like there needs to be a little bit of tension. I think that's one of the things as a woman that I was always programmed to decrease the tension. And mm -hmm. I do think successful practices require you to increase the tension. Just like with my kids, I have to be like, you really need to put your shoes in the shoe rack. Like that's more tension than I normally use in my voice, you know? But that might be what it takes to rattle the cage. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Dr. Pam, tell us more about who you enjoy working with in, in the world today, both in your practice and in supporting other doctors. Mm -hmm. In practice, I really love working with um, moms. I, I think, you know, I just have this... Um, it's probably like my deepest wish is that my mom had gotten chiropractic care or that I had because, you know, I was a breech baby and probably super difficult at six months, my skull was broken. And so, you know, I had brain swelling for six days. I can't even imagine how challenging of a baby I was, you know, and um, I think that set a trajectory and, you know, my mom had so many challenges and I just, I always think like, I wish she had gotten adjusted. I just look at so many people in the world, even just, you know, last night I was out at dinner at this restaurant. I was like, I just wish I could just like stand up and talk about chiropractic right here. Like I want these people to have this, but the people that I really long to adjust are like moms with young children. I like working with um, families that have kids that are age five to high school because the reason it's more practical than anything, I just noticed that my pregnant moms and my new moms, they're like going through crazy time and they don't always make their appointments and the kids, you know, get sick and they're like thrown off and they're just hard to corral. It's like herding cats, you know, which I get. I love supporting them at that time. Um, but I just find that what I tend to attract is like an easier um, systemic, you know, um, thing. Like it's easier on my system. So that's usually what I like to work with. And um, 
in the practice. And I mean, but we see people of all different ages and health challenges, but that's who I tend to talk to. Um, and then um, in my coaching practice, I, oh, I definitely like working with women. I like working with people who really want to serve people, but they need help to figure out how to make that profitable. Like I tend to look at how can you work the least amount of time and make the most money with the yeah. most ease and grace. And, and I like fun too. <laughs> so, you know, that's the way I like to coach people. Um, not everybody's into that, but that's what I'm thinking about. You know, I, I, I wish I had had me when I first started in practice. Um, I felt like I, I really need a lot of tools, like you were saying, like with my husband, how to figure that part out, but just how to make it so that your life and your practice works or that your practice is serving your life. And um, so that's, you know, that's my, my idea about coaching and who I like to work with. I think it's, it's even more important for women who have children to be able to create a business where they work as little as possible, but make the most possible financially. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because we, it, that's the, the space that we can live in where we feel the most balanced if we're allowed to use the word balance. Yeah. Right? Um, and it feels rewarding. We can be, we can feel rewarded in our practice, in our business, and we can feel rewarded with our family and even yeah. have time for ourselves. Yeah, it can be more fulfilling that way. I mean, one of the things, I, it's such a development, you know, like your perception about what being a chiropractor means or being in business means. I used to think that it meant that I was taking away from my kids. I mean, that it was a thing that detracted from them. But then I got to the point where I was feeling like, this isn't true. Like my practice has really given to my children. You know, it's given them um, extra support with like tutoring. It's introduced me to people in the community. It's gotten them jobs. Like I just now, you know, now that I've done it for 23 years, I'm like, I feel like it's made me a better mom. Um, and, you know, and I've gotten support. So I really feel like it's, uh, it's, it can be something that adds to it. But ultimately it is a math problem because I don't think we would be doing it we wouldn't choose to be away from our family if it wasn't that we were, you know, looking to support them. That's the other thing. My practice has really given them an amazing life of, you know, of camps and, you know, extra programs and college tuition and private high school. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's really interesting to me to see how the practice supports the family and the family supports the practice. My kids worked in the practice and, you know, so it also gave them tools and skills. One of the things that I notice with, with women who have children and practices is that it's often hard for them to ask for help mm. um, or even make the investment in help because sometimes it requires us to make the investment in getting support for our practice mm. before we feel ready to do it. Mm -hmm. If there's a woman that's listening to the show today who is feeling that way, she's feeling stuck and she knows she wants to make some changes, but yet she's uncertain about mm. making the financial investment in some kind of support, what mm. advice or what, what would you want to offer her today as she's listening? It's so interesting. I mean, I feel like I want to sort of speak to the concept of it first. Um, for me personally, it's hard for me to ask for help if I'm not paying for it. That's harder. I always wanted to pay for help. I always knew I needed help and it was always an investment. I always looked at it like, okay, if I'm going to invest you know, $5,000, how do I, how can that work with that person bring back, you know, 20,000? 
And my coaching has always felt like that to me, um, that it's a way for me to come up a ladder, you know, to really fulfill my dream. You, you say the word a lot or the phrase today a lot, like about feeling stuck, you know, and um, I think like when we're stuck, we need energy and we need support. I think what's trickier for me is like the, the non-structured support. You know, I really, I've always loved having a coach and I, I feel like maybe I'm a little bit pathological. I have like three coaches, you know, so I really, really like it because I feel alone when I don't have it. And I am not resourceful when I feel alone. And if I feel unsupported, I actually don't do great work in mm-hmm. the world. It's triggering for me. I really like having support. So to me, it's like, it is an investment. And, um, you know, and it's a hard choice. Like I can say when I first started coaching, I had a couple people that um, were coaching with me and I, I felt like it was like, we're just talking and I'm, now I don't do that. You know, now I just feel like it, I really have to make sure that they have a return on their investment and figure out some way either of making the same amount of money in less time because that is a value or making more money in less time, which to me is the best value. Yeah. So it's about return and really trying to figure out because sometimes you hire a coach and then you're just talking and sharing and that might not be your best use if you are concerned about the money. But otherwise, to me, investing in help is one of the smartest things you can do to get to your next level. You know, before this little baby was born, um, four and a half weeks ago, I guess it was probably two weeks before that, I had finished up a package with my coach and um, we were kind of talking about what's next. And I thought, you know, it seems like the kind thing to do to give myself a break right now. Mm. And she was like, I was kind of wondering if you were feeling that way. And, uh, and that was hard for me to say, cause I, I mean, taking a break, uh, I'm a, I'm a worker, right? Right. Breaks. And right. I have to like really go, Danielle, you're having a baby. Like, exactly. It's okay to take a break right now. Well, it and, sounds, yeah, it's a glide. That's the way I look at it. Yes. And, you know, I thought, I don't know how long this will be, but a couple of weeks ago, I noticed myself um, with ideas and thoughts and like, where am I going next? And like, the vision is changing. And, and I was like, uh, I really need to talk with my coach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And it so, was just four weeks, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And so we had our first session back yesterday and it was definitely earlier than I expected, but the important thing for me in that process was that I gave myself the grace oh, to sure. say, I don't know when we'll be talking again. Right. And she also gave me the space to say, that's okay. Yes. And when you're ready, I'm here. I love what you just said. Well, first of all, it goes back to my thought about expansion and contraction. As women, we have to experience more of that. You know what I mean? It's not like just the straight path. And so I do think it's important that we listen because otherwise we become brittle and we're just willfully plowing through and there's this huge blowback with your health and your spirit when you do that. So I think, you know, the point that you're making about us listening really deeply is important, but to both things, because the other thing you listened to was your need for momentum. That's what, mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs, we need momentum. And if we're not getting it, that hurts us, you know? Yes. So it's great that when your chi came back, you were like, wait a second, I want momentum. Yes, exactly. Cool. Mm-hmm. Dr. Pam, it's been so fun to talk with you today. I really appreciate your time in giving to our community, of course, as well. 
Um, well, and even just the momentum that I feel from talking with you, of mm. course, too. Well, thank you very much for having me. You know, I really admire the work that you're doing. And my dear friend, Mary Flannery, has spoken so highly of you so many times. So I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share with you and connect. And uh, it was everything I imagined it would be. And so I thank you for all you're doing for women in chiropractic. I really love and appreciate your work. Thank you so much. If someone that's listening to the show today would like to connect with you and learn more about what you do, where can she find you at? Oh, you can go to my website, which is chirobloom.com, C-H-I-R-O, bloom.com. Wonderful. So I'll be sure that we have a link to your website in the show notes. For those that are listening on their iPhone, if you're not familiar with how to find show notes in a podcast, you just tap the picture of the podcast cover art, and the screen kind of flips, and then links and show notes appear. So it's super easy. Dr. Pam, thank you again so much. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the woman who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, or just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women Podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time freedom and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them, and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractor's Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.